Crippled Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hi, this is Carrie Wade. I am a professional disabled person and a writer over at autostraddle.com, and I listen to Disability After Dark the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability, and you should tune in too. Let's shine a bright light on sex and disability together. Connect with me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza, that's A-N-D-R-E-W-G-U-R-Z-A, and use the hashtag DisabilityAfterDark. Hello, friends, lovers, and everybody in between. Thanks so much for clicking on this episode of Disability After Dark, and I'm really excited to share it with you. So let's shine a bright light on sex and disability together and let's get started. The first thing I want to share about this episode is that it's jam-packed with goodness. Really, really good stuff. And it's so big and so expansive that this episode actually spans two episodes. So this is part one and next week will be part two of the same episode. So I'm really excited to bring this one to you. This is one that I've wanted to do for a while now and I finally found the, gr- the right person to talk to about this content. So let me tell you about my idea around this episode. I wanted to do an episode on love, sex, and disability representation in film, and I, I wasn't sure kind of what avenue to take and how to how to bring this into a podcastable format and which films to talk about and what conversation to have and how do I how do I talk about disability representation in film uh, properly and how do I bring this to my audience and who the fuck can I talk to, to 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 do this properly? And so the person that I contacted because I love their work is Dominic Evans. If you are a person with a disability and you have a Twitter account, you've probably seen the hashtag FilmDis. So hashtag F-I-L-M-D-I-S. That's all over Twitter through through Dominic Evans' Twitter account. He started this great hashtag to talk about film representation of disability, um, and that's blown up. He is such a valuable voice in our community around disability representation and, and different different facets of disability. He's also transgender, so we talk a little bit about that. But this first episode only focuses on his experience in the film world. So let me tell you more about him right now. Dominic is in his early 30s. Born in Ohio, he grew up as a child of the 80s and 90s with a love for music and film, while immensely enjoying the culture of his youth. 
an avid singer, Dominic started taking voice lessons in 1990. He was taught to sing at age two by his grandmother, Melba, a former singer on the radio. Dominic wanted to be an actor for many years, and he took acting classes through the Toledo Franciscan Life Center, his high school, and Bowling Green State University. He was in several musical productions throughout his youth and even performed as the narrator in Joseph in the Amazing Color Dreamcoat in his high school musical. Dominic is also an avid filmmaker whose primary focus is directing, though he is also active in developing film and media content. His com he completed his first film, Trip, in 2014. He is in pre-production for his next film, Inamorata, and has feature film scripts and television show concepts in development. Though Dominic has plans for at least one documentary, his true passion is directing narrative films. He works exclusively with his writing partner, screenwriter Ashton Law. This interview touches on so many topics around film, sexuality, and disability. We talk a little bit about Me Before You. I know, I know, it's a horrible, horrible, horrible representation, but we it did come up. We talk about movies like Margarita with a Straw. We talk about movies like The Sessions. We talk about some porn. We even suggest starting a hashtag called PornDis to talk about disability representation in porn. So there's so much that this first half an hour gives us, and I'm excited to bring it to you. Right now, here's my first interview with Dominic Evans, right here on Disability After Dark. Dominic Evans, I'm so excited to have you on Disability After Dark. How are you doing today? Great. You know, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm so, so happy. You're somebody that I've been following for a while now on social media. You're pretty much a big deal in, in the disability community, at least in my eyes. So, Oh, wow. Thank you. Um, I don't know if I'm a big deal. Um, maybe in my own imagination, but, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just doing my thing, so. Awesome, awesome. I'm so happy to have you here. So before we start, I want you to introduce yourself, and I'd also like you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'd let the audience know a little bit about your work and what it is that you do and what we're going to be talking about today, but I want you to feel free to introduce yourself and let us know in that introduction what your what your preferred pronouns are. Sure. Well, my name is Dominic Evans, and I am a transgender disabled queer uh, person, uh, and I received my BFA in film a couple years ago. A lot of my work has been focused on um, depictions of marginalized communities in film with particular focus on disability. And also, I have done a little bit of work on inclusion of transgender people and transgender characters and portrayals uh, being more authentic um, as well as disability. I currently work at the Center for Disability Rights as a media and entertainment advocate. Um, much of my work is focused on helping people to understand what institutional biases and also finding ways through media to explore the topic as well as how to eradicate institutional bias. Um, and I also do a lot of work um, through FilmDis, which started out as a 
Twitter discussion two years ago discussing media portrayals of disability. And by media, we don't just mean film. We mean television, um, the news, how, how is disability portrayed in real life settings, uh, such as documentary. Uh, not that I would classify documentary as real life because, you know, ultimately you're only seeing whatever the filmmaker wants you to see. Right. So the idea that documentary is reality is kind of loosely based, but you know, reality based television, are we on reality TV? Are we in documentaries? Um, how about, um, the web, what kind of web media presence does disability have? So all of these things have been compiled and we've, made them into a great discussion once a week, uh, most weeks. There have been occasional weeks where we take vacation and we usually take the summer off because a lot of people will be traveling at different times. So it's just easier to take the summer months off. But other than that, every Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern, we have the Film Dis Twitter chat. And I'm really excited because this next Twitter chat we're about to have, we're going to be announcing where Film This is going because it's kind of evolved beyond a Twitter chat. So I'm really excited to be able to discuss that very soon. That's fantastic. And that's, that's how you kind of became a big deal. Uh, that's how I, how I kind of noticed your work. And that's how I kind of started following what you do because of your, because of this, this hashtag that you created. I was like, oh, what's this? And then I saw how quickly this chat blew up and everybody wanted to talk about it. So uh, that's, that. I mean, that's how you became a star, which I think is really cool. And I think as anybody knows who follows my work, uh, I, I'm, I'm always championing disability causes and people with disabilities creating conversation. So I really, really admire what it is that you do. Um, I want to move the conversation, though, to the sexier side of things, which is why we're here today. So... <laughs> You talked a lot about film discs. My first question, as you were mentioning all that, have you ever thought about porn discs? Like making porn or or being in porn or what? Well, all of that, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, I thought about it because uh, you can make some good money in porn. And I thought, well, you know, producers don't want to finance my work because the one thing I did fail to mention is that I'm actually a filmmaker um, and all of my other work kind of ties in with that. But um, due to si a situation beyond my control, I haven't had the ability to really make film recently. So I've put more of my work into the advocacy side. Right. But, um, you know, when I have been thinking about making films, I have thought about turning to porn but, you know, it's a double-edged sword because once you start making porn, you're kind of pigeonholed. Yeah. Uh, a lot of Hollywood won't take you seriously. Um, and if you've watched porn, I'm sure you can see why. Of course, um, having a legitimate, not to say porn is not legitimate, but, you know, what Hollywood considers legitimate, filmmaker making porn might actually make the storylines better. You know, it actually yeah. might be sexier with uh, with an actual story that's not, 
you know, pizza guy comes to the door and acts very poorly. Then he pulls out his dick and they go at it, you know. <laughs> Although um, not that I have anything wrong with those storylines. You know, right, I, I like watching right. those, those storylines every now and then. Right, um, but they're, they're so old. You know, we know it's going to happen. We know the acting's going to be horrible. We're not watching it for the acting. But what if there was good acting? And I think a lot of my work has kind of explored that provocative side of um, people that aren't supposed to have sexuality that do. My junior thesis film was about a teen mother who, um, you know, has to... She's at the crossroads of deciding, is she going to stay with her boyfriend who she enjoys having a sexual relationship with? You know, she enjoys expressing herself um, as a sexual human being. But, you know, that's pretty much all there is. And she has to think about her small child. What kind of future is she going to have for him? Should you have to pick between, you know sexual expression and and something more all of those questions are kind of explored in um the short film that i made for uh school that's so, that sounds really that sounds really deep and I'm, I'm almost seeing like some really serious like i'm picturing some really serious porn um not parody like but some really serious like deep art house porn with that that concept um we did we had um we had a scene where the actors were not wearing any clothing that was really interesting to make as a student uh to actually shoot something and um kind of explore it's it's a really hard thing to do it's really hard to shoot it was a huge learning experience and um you know, we had to make sure our actors were comfortable and we didn't want it to be just meaningless. You know, we're adding this to be provocative. We wanted it to tie into the story. So it had to be compelling. It had to be authentic. So finding that space where, you know, two people who just met a couple weeks before are having this intimate relationship and make it believable and make it entertaining, but also make it make sense to the story. That's really hard to pull off. And I saw many students trying to do that and not doing it well, which is why I kind of almost saw it as a challenge in some of my work to add um, stories that included um, the ex- exploration of sex and sexuality, because I don't think that it is always done well. Um, and I have to and wonder I, if people I don't really... think it's, I don't think it's done well in terms of a lot of disability narrative, and be- oh, but only because right. we've not seen it very often. And it's it's so when people try to do it, they're trying to make it. They're trying to make it this big arched narrative when sometimes it doesn't have to be that. Right, it can just be simple and easy, and I don't think. People realize that when it comes to sexuality and disability, especially in film, um, we've seen a lot of this big, overarching, unnecessary storyline of like pain and heartbreak and like. Right. The movie that I'm thinking of, what I'm thinking about that specifically is the sessions. Um, the whole movie was based around sexuality and disability, but the way that the sex was was portrayed was that it was this big giant moment of like release and togetherness with the with the 
the actors in question. So that's great. Right. But why can't we have portrayals where, uh, where the sex isn't a huge deal, where it's right. not this like over this overcoming your disability to have sex narrative thing? Why can't the person with a disability just be having sex? Right. You know, and that's one of the big things that I would love to see film doing in general is, um, and I'm actually working on a piece on this right now about how um, in film, they're constantly telling people, and, and it's not just film, it's almost all narrative media. They're telling us that we need to be nice to disabled people. That's what they're telling the audience. Um, but instead of telling people and kind of banging them over the head by showing the very sad little crippled kid who is left out and really wants to be included and then having the non-disabled savior come in and say, hey, do you want to be a part of this? Why not just include the kid from the beginning? We learn by example. So instead of forcing it onto someone to say, you have to be nice to disabled people, why not show people being inclusive uh, of disabled people rather than saying, hey, you need that, you know, rather than telling, we need to be showing. And that's a huge thing right, that we see in film. It's always this narrative that we need to be dis. We need to be nice to disabled people because it's the right thing to do. We don't need that to happen. We need people to be inclusive of disabled people, not necessarily nice because some disabled people are assholes. That's don't right. Be, I was just going to say yeah. some disabled people can be giant pricks. Right, right. But they need to do it because we're human beings. That's why not to be nice because that always puts the non-disabled person in a position of power over disabled people. They're being nice to us. So, you know, we're supposed to be indebted. People are supposed to commend them. They're supposed to feel good about themselves. And what does that really say about equality of disabled people? It says disabled people are less. So we have to be nice to them and give them an extra boost. Just be nice to us. If we deserve it, you know, if we if if we're yeah. just being cool and nice to you, be nice back. Treat us how you would want to be treated because we're human beings just like everyone else. And I can be a giant asshole if I want to be. And sometimes I have been. I think, I mean, and especially in my sexual relationships with other individuals, I'll freely admit that sometimes I'm a douche. I've been a douchebag. And so I think when it comes to sexuality and disability, this narrative of needing to be needing to treat us with kid gloves needs to really stop because sometimes guess what i've been the douchebag on the other end right well i'm sure if you ask my girlfriend she would testify to all of the douchiness that i that encompasses me i'm sure she could tell you some good stories about what an asshole i've been you'll we'll have to have her on for part two right to right. find out her her side of the story but right. What I was asking you with porn dis was more, was I was I was curious to know that if you would use that hashtag to create a conversation around um, porn films and disability, like there's not yeah. no there's not a lot of them. Yeah, I think it would be really. Um, I don't know if I'd want to create a whole hashtag, but I love the idea of 
doing a discussion on porn and disability, because I think that, um, although my worry with that is we might attract fetishists and nobody wants that. Um, they, the minute you mention disability and porn, uh, you get the devotee crowd showing up and, uh, that's my one worry about creating a hashtag like that is that it will kind of get hijacked. Um, and I'm not saying this just to kind of be paranoid kind of about the whole thing. Um, because I run, uh, a Facebook page, marriage equality for people with disabilities, not even, well, technically it's related to sex because, you know, sex, marriage can go hand in hand. But I mean, I can't tell you how many devotees message me a week. This is not even, you know, a month. This is per week. I would say I get at least 10 messages, if not more, of people uh, saying, hey, I want to marry a disabled girl. Can you match me up with someone? I get those messages all the time and they don't want to marry a disabled girl because they think she's terrific. They want to marry a disabled girl for, I don't know if it's sinister means or it's just not good. They don't want to, they do not care about her as a person. So that's my really big concern because just from running this page, seeing all the devotees that want to marry a disabled woman and quote unquote, take care of her. Um, there's just so many messages and that's just from a marriage page. I could not imagine running a page about porn or sex and disability because I feel like that group would swarm, you know? And I think we could get into a discussion about how some disabled people reach out to devotees Whereas uh, the majority of people I know are more skittish like I am about about right. such inclusion because it can be very exploitative. So. Uh, totally. And I mean, I've talked to individuals who are I, I had a devotee on the show a few weeks back right. uh, and we she's a friend of mine and she openly admitted she was one. And I I initially when she told me, I went, oh, yeah, I had the same feelings you're having. Right now, once I talked to her about it, and once I understood her, the dynamics of her relationship, we had it on the show, and we openly talked about it. So, my view on devotee is nuanced in that because I know her, yeah, because I know how they met, and I know how their relationship blossomed. I have, I think, her coming out as a devotee was great. I think the type of devotee that you're referring to is the kind of individual, individual that only sees disability from a very myopic lens, right? know right. how to separate that right and i do think there are two very distinct types um and the type that you're talking about who you know might just happen to be attracted to people that are disabled and that has been their experience you know um and they do value their partner as more than just you know a set of wheels or a pair of crutches um it, it is a very different type of person than the devotees I'm talking about. The ones who are very exploitative of disability. And, and that's my real concern. 
um, these are the people I label devotees. I honestly think we should have a separate word for people who are maybe more attracted to people who happen to be disabled, you know, so. Yeah, so my devotee friend that I know is listening to this right now, if you're listening and you can think of another word, let me know in the Twitter what you think of another word could be or another way to, if we should separate devotee in another word. I'd like to get your thoughts on that, but I, I fully agree. I just thought porn disc uh, Dominic would be a really kind of cool, kind of like dirty offshoot of um, film disc. No, I think it's a great idea. Um, I would love to talk more about, you know, maybe teaming up and, and setting a time to, Start the naughty fun on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I, I but I agree with you. I don't want the hashtag to be hijacked. Right. Um, but I just think in terms of the brand you've created, there's something really cool there. So we no, should definitely... I, I think that sex and disability desperately needs to be spoken about because um, I think the fact that we rarely see disabled characters exploring even dating not even sex, just dating or wanting to be in a relationship. We don't see that. We also don't see people... <coughs> hey, excuse me a second. No worries. Excuse me, sorry about that. Uh, we don't generally see people even, um, you know talking about making the choice to not be sexual. It's always perceived that we don't want to be or we aren't simply because we're disabled. So, Yeah, I think, and I'd, <coughs> I'd like to explore, um, I'm going to take that again, because <coughs> <laughs> I, I just died there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it again. So, yeah, I'd like to explore... <laughs> with you characterizations of disability uh like characterizations of disability that talk about sex or don't talk about sex uh in film or tv um because that's what you do i want to marry those two into the conversation for a minute so in terms of your experience doing film and film and and looking at this stuff what representations would you say are the are the best representations of Sex and disability in film and some of the worst. I know some people will find this funny, but I think Tyrion Lannister is a great example of a positive depiction of sexuality and disability because he's a real person in terms of this kind of disabled person could exist. He's authentic. Um, and I know some people may find that funny because Basically, Tyrion's a big hoe. He really is. Uh, you know, he's <laughs> sexually free. He, um... And, you know, as a queer a man, as a queer man who likes men, I would totally get down with Tyrion. Right, right. Me too. But Me too. Totally he get down with it. So hot. Well, that and you, he's got to know what he's doing. How much experience does he have? He's the type of guy you want to have sex with because you know he's obviously got to be good at it, you know? He's so good at it. And Peter Dinklage is just an attractive man. He just, is. He's very like, attractive. So attractive. It hurts. It hurts. <laughs> 
So okay, so we have that's a I'm I, and I like the said Tyrion Lannister because I do think he's a positive, um, a sex positive disabled person, uh, on TV, which is something when we look at the character generally we don't think of him as sex positive, but I think you're right. Um, <coughs> can you contrast that with with a really poorly portrayed character? Oh gosh, um, pretty much everything. Pretty much, um, well, I. I want to mention Margarita with a straw because I think that, um, yeah, let's talk about that. I love, first of all, I fell in love with that movie initially, but I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I, you know, there are some really good moments in it, but there are some moments that I feel would have felt more authentic and been better. Had she been played by someone with CP, you know, um, I feel like a lot of her work, I could almost see the wheels turning in her head um, as she was acting, because that's the big thing. When a disabled person is playing a character that's disabled, they don't have to worry about the disabled part because yeah, they that's... just are. You just are disabled. You either yeah. are or you aren't. That's um, muscle memory. They don't even have to like blink. They just know. We just know. Right. right. And so... But a, a non-disabled actor, part of that acting experience, a major part, the main part, has to be them making sure they're accurately portraying disability. And I think in a lot of cases, the overall performance suffers because that's their area of focus. Not preparing for the character overall, but making sure their portrayal of disability is authentic. And I think that's where that film suffers. I think that is part of the problem is that, um, you know, and, and I thought the story was okay. I like the idea that we're going to explore lesbian or possibly, what wasn't it more like bisexual? Yeah, it was like bisexual or right. queer. Right. Yeah, queer And, and it's one of the few films to explore that, you know, so... Um, I, I have mixed feelings about it. I'm trying to think what is something that actually shows sexuality that's really bad. Um, what did you think of what did you think of the sessions? I that that is a good point. My thought is I understand that there are men who have to pay because people won't give them a chance. I have more than one friend who has paid for their first time to have sex. And some of those experiences have been wonderful because they've given those men confidence. But we have to realize that we don't see sexuality. So the one time we see sexuality, it's of a man who's disabled who has to pay because he can't get sex any other way. Um, what kind of message does that send about disability? Yeah. It wouldn't be an issue if we had great portrayals. But now our narrative has become, well, either we have to pay for sex or we have to, um, you know, we, we're not sexual at all, which is the overall narrative. And I think there are so many films we can explore that have the overall narrative that relationships aren't important, that the only thing important in our lives is our disability and, and either hating ourselves because we want to be normal or 
you know, being a burden to someone else, usually the protagonist of the film. Uh, so, you know, I think it's really important that we are careful about what portrayals are out there because we are so limited in what we see. So pretty much every film um, that doesn't include a well-rounded sexual disabled person um, or disabled adult, I should say, um, you know, or teenager, because we, there are films that explore teenage sexuality. Um, I just didn't want to get into any kind of discussion about disabled children. Cause I think, you know, that shouldn't even, you know, um, while I think it's important to talk about disabled children and having the same opportunities to learn about sex and sexuality as any other children. I'm not sure we're in a place in film where we can talk about it in a educated and responsible way. You know what I mean? We can't even get adults with disabilities, right? And um, I think there's a real, real risk of people misinterpreting um, those portrayals. You know what I mean? So um, Totally. Yep. Yep. So I, I think overall, just in terms of sex and disability in film, um, the media looks to film to understand that which with they have no experience. So they're going to believe whatever film is saying. And we can say, oh, it's fiction. That's what I hear all the time. Whenever I come out to speak somewhere and I talk about how disabled people need to play themselves and how disability needs to be more authentic. People constantly say to me, well, it's just fiction. It's just film. But, you know, you and I know that you and I can say that, but the vast majority of people don't have experience with disability. Yeah. We do. So they're going to look to, we just know for a fact we see that with every marginalized group. People look to media to understand that which they have no experience. That's just a fact. It shouldn't be the way it is. We should be able to say, okay, this is fiction. It's not real. Don't believe it is real. But we know that's not reality. We know the reality is that people use how disability is viewed in film as their map for understanding disability. So and we have why, to be what? That's why I think, uh, that's why I think movies like the sessions. And now that you've, you've kind of brought that to light movies like Margarita, Margarita with a straw. Well, okay. Are slightly damaging. Right. Or they're, Oh, I got my bad film. Me before you. I was, I was waiting for you to, to bring that one forward. Yeah. I have not seen it out of solidarity with those who stood against it. Yeah. Um, because I just was like, why would I see this? But I am curious to watch it just to see how poorly disability and romance is portrayed. Um, you know, it could have been amazing. It really could have. It could have been a really, it could have broke barriers as a story, but it didn't go there. It went the opposite direction. And um, I think the worst portrayal is the disabled character himself. It's not the non-disabled woman loving him. 
she was fine in terms of, you know, falling in love. She loved him. She loved him as a person. She saw him as a person. But, um, but did you know, she it him? was him himself saying, love isn't not enough. You are not enough. It's better I'm dead. I don't know a single disabled male who would say, hey, this girl wants to have a relationship with you. And at one point, she's even offering sex, right? She's even yeah. offering sex. And he's like, yeah, no, I'm going to die. What? <laughs> what disabled male are you, you know, I don't, except for maybe the asexual people, and that's their choice. But they didn't want sex in the first place. His, uh, you know, the message in me before you is that, um, you know, it's better to be dead than disabled because once you're disabled, you don't have that life anymore. You don't have a good life anymore. He doesn't have the life he wants, so he kills himself. And knowing many, many people who have become disabled later in life, that's not at all realistic at all. Most no. people adapt. Occasionally people do go this route, but man, you got to be really responsible with how you portray that to not stigmatize disabled people in that message. And even though this character has um, um, people who are countering him, the voice is not loud enough. I, I didn't feel it was loud enough in the book, which I, I don't know how I managed to get through reading it because it made me so angry. And um, I heard, I heard, I didn't read the book either, but I heard that the book was full of fallacies also. Oh my gosh. It was so horrible. Um, yeah. And there's this idea that uh, quadriplegic men can't have sex. Uh, I know many quadriplegic men who have had sex and it's irresponsible to drop a blanketed statement like that without fully explaining that, you know, the, a lot of quadriplegic men can and do have sex, you know? Um, it, yeah. It just sounds extremely irresponsible of the author and the, the film people who made this movie to not do their proper research. Right. Right. You have to have a counter message to balance some of these things, because like I said, the portrayals are not there. We don't have that counter message now. So people will believe that's the only way it is for disabled people. And that's I mean, that's really damaging. So, I mean, I guess my question about porn is that if there was like a porn dis hashtag or if we were to talk about it, do you think that careful not to fetishize um, that porn is an avenue to, and I believe that porn is an avenue to create that change we're looking for in a different medium. Yeah, it's totally sexualized, but can you imagine if, if sex and disability was, was positively portrayed in those vignettes? I think it could, I think that's the game changer we're all looking for. I think it is. I think that, um, if we had a non-exploitative, um, unless you want to be exploited, I mean, let's get the exploitative because the disabled person's a voyeur, or I mean, not a voyeur, an exhibitionist. Yeah. Why not? If if a disabled person wants to, I'm know, an exhibitionist. I'll be I'll be I'll be right up front about that, and that's I think that's the first time that I've admitted that on 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 the show. Right. I'm an exhibitionist, and I like 
I like that. That turns me on. So I would have no problem being, being, you know, taking on that role. Don't worry. Don't worry. As I promised you, there is more coming. I know it sounds like it cut off and that's the end, but don't worry. There's a whole bunch more stuff coming next week, but I wanted to do a little serial S-Town teasery thing and see how that worked. So you're going to just have to wait for the rest of our amazing interview next week. This episode of Disability After Dark is a handmade piece of crippled content created just for you. We record, edit, and produce each piece of this show to bring disability to you in a fresh, honest, and sexy way. Help us create more episodes and support crippled content creation by heading over to our Patreon page. That's www.patreon.com slash and pledging if you can. Your monthly pledge goes towards things like audio equipment, podcast hosting subscriptions, and everything we need to bring this disability-centered program to you. By pledging your support, you're showing that disability content has value, means something, and deserves a place in our media landscape. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, read my blogs or book me to bring disability to you, head over to www.andrewgerza.com. Also, if you're listening to this in iTunes, please rate and review us so more people can find the show. Copyright Notice This program was created and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Any and all materials, including graphics, music, and audio recordings are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission.